God's word for his people today is from Romans chapter 15, our second lesson. Just one verse there, verse 17. It says, Therefore I glory in Christ Jesus in my service to God. This is God's word. Loved ones, power by itself is impressive, but it's not important. What makes power important is when it's put to good use for someone else. For instance, you may have somebody who is a very physically powerful person. Very early on in their life, they grow head and shoulders taller than, than everybody else their age, and they keep that up until they get big and strong, and they, they win weightlifting competitions. And it's very clear that, that when they shake your hand, that if they don't hold back, they're going to crush it. But what good does that do if all they do is impress people with their power? Their power is important when they start to to clear land for a house and and carry construction materials and, and build a house for someone else to live in. Then that person's strength, that person's power is important for someone else. same thing goes for another kind of power, intellectual power. You may have somebody who's just very intelligent and and never has to study for a test and gets good grades and and gets all the, the, the gold cords around their neck without even trying at graduation. Scholarship offers come in, they they love to read and just fill up their mind with knowledge. But while that might be impressive as they walk into the room and it's clear they're smarter than everyone else there. It's not really important. Not until they do something like going to work in a research place that's searching for a cure for cancer. Or not until they research and research and and, and put together what they know and, and boil it down for some students to understand as they teach. Power by itself is impressive, but it's not important. Power is important when it's put to, get, put to use for other people. And there is a word in the Bible for God's power. God's cert- power certainly is impressive. In fact, we, we call it almighty. As we read of how God created the world and continues to care for it and keep the universe going, that's impressive. And how God flooded the world but kept enough people alive to to keep his promises of a savior alive, kept Noah and his family alive during this worldwide flood, or the the, the parting of the Red Sea, or the burning up of, of sacrifices that had been soaked with water right in front of the prophet Elijah. Oh yeah, and then there's Jesus. The Son of God with his divine nature coming into human flesh and not disintegrating it. And his miracles of of healing incurable diseases and casting out demons and raising people from the dead. And his resurrection and judgment day. All very, very impressive. But does it do us any good? If that's all that God is to us, an impressive, powerful being, then we ought to be scared. 
scared that he might not care for us, scared that he might be against us. Because of our sin, But he's not. In Christ Jesus, we know that the all-powerful being, God himself, is on our side. He put his power to good use. His life, his death, his resurrection, his ascension for us. All of it for us. To take away our sin, to assure us that everything bad in this life is only temporary and that heaven is waiting for us. That's what makes God important to us. His power put to use to save us. It's a glorious day outside as the sun is shining. To pick up where he left off, he told them for just a few days, for a little over a week, the ten days that we're in now, I want you to wait. How God sent the Holy Spirit to strengthen his disciples for their mission of sharing the gospel with the world. Wait for his glorious return any time. And as we do, he says, let this thought occupy your minds. We glory in Christ Jesus in our service to God. You know, there was a, a big issue facing the church to which these words were originally written. Up until that time in history, the the church that worshipped the true God was mostly Jewish people who followed Jewish customs. Even if they didn't live in Israel, they still only ate what Jewish people ate. They avoided pork and shellfish because God said those things are unclean for you. As best they could, they they worshipped in Jerusalem at three times a year because God says that's where my presence is and that's where I want you to meet me. They followed all the, all the other rules as they could, no matter where they lived in the world. But they still remained mainly Jewish. And there was a purpose for that, because God said, when I send my son into the world, he's going to be Jewish. He's going to be a, a descendant of Abraham, and you need to keep yourselves together. You need to keep yourselves separate from the rest of the world until that Savior comes through you, because you're my special people bringing the Savior into the world. But once Jesus came, it wasn't necessary for them to, to stay separate anymore. And, and at this time, now a new preacher was coming along, and, and a few others had been too, that were saying, it's not just Jewish people who are saved. It's not just Jewish people who are a part of God's church. People who aren't Jewish. People whom they were taught to thought of as spiritually dirty people they were taught to avoid, people who ate all sorts of stuff that was new to them that might have even bothered their consciences for a while to eat, were part of God's church, were just as valuable, just as important as they were. And why? Because God loved them too. Because God's Son had saved them too. And it was hard for them to accept this change because, well, any change is hard to accept, but they did because God's messenger came along and told them, by the grace of God, I am a minister of Christ Jesus to the Gentiles. And he laid out passage after passage, promise after promise, that God's love is is not just limited to one type of person, 
but that Jesus died for all people so that all people could be part of God's kingdom, a part of God's church. But I sometimes wonder if the bigger issue facing us, God's church today, even our congregation, is kind of the opposite. See, no matter, not not so much that, that there are people that want to be a part of God's church, but aren't, but there are people that are part of God's church who don't want to be anymore. Maybe it's just our American culture that admires the individual. Maybe it's the, the German heritage that a lot of us share that says, I can do things by myself. I don't need anybody else's help. Most likely, it's just the plain old sinful nature in all of us that, that, that resists whatever it is that God says is good. And you hear people express this thought. I don't need to go to church to be Christian. I don't need to be part of a church to be Christian. And technically that's true. What what makes a person a Christian, what makes a person a believer in Jesus, what makes a person saved is having God's word affect their heart and give them the saving connection to Jesus we call faith. So a person can be baptized person can hear God's word and they're set. They'll believe in him and they can say they're Christian. But my mom's pastor asked this question one time and I thought it was great. He says, sure, you may not have to go to church technically to be a Christian and you also don't have to go home technically to be married. But how's that going to go for you? How is that going to affect your relationship with God? What's that going to do for your faith? Because going to church isn't part of, just doesn't mean having your name in some record book or, or, or even, even showing your face from time to time in worship. Being a Christian is a a relationship we call faith with God. It takes work, it takes time for that love to be built. And that's what God has given us his church for. To not only bring us into his church and to save us, but to, to keep us growing in our love for him. Keep us growing in our strength so that we can face the temptations and hardships that come with this world. Your church is important for so many reasons. And they're not just reasons that have developed over time or that simply people have found a a need for from culture to culture and then invented this group and God or something like that. No, God invented the church so that we could care for each other. God invented the church so that he could care for us through each other as we share his word and encouragement with one another and we pray for each other. God invented the church so that your faith in Jesus Christ would be built and that through faith in Christ you're part of this invisible holy Christian church and through your circumstances the Holy Spirit has made you part of this congregation to bless you. I ask you, what is it that makes your church important? 
to you? Is it the feeling that you get from worship? Encouragement for your life as you leave this place. Is it the people you meet and work with and love? Is it the faith that we share? Sure. Yeah. All of those things. He gave me the priestly duty, Paul says, of proclaiming the gospel of God so that Gentiles might become an offering acceptable to God, sanctified by the Holy Spirit. As Jesus speaks to us this week, he tells us what makes the church important is the preaching of the gospel. The one thing that we all have in common is that we are sinners who need to be saved and he has done that for us by his life and his death and his resurrection. This is what unifies us in love. This is what gives us work to do as we serve each other and we serve the world around us. We need to keep this in mind as we as a, a congregation face Another big issue. We're saying goodbye to some people. Goodbye and God be with you to a couple of teachers and and, and a pastor who has served us here for almost four decades. His was the voice that that God used as as you maybe you were brought into his kingdom through baptism or your children were. His was the the voice that was there as you began your new life as a, a married couple, his was the voice that assured you time after time that your sins really are forgiven as you took communion. His was the voice as, as God helped you with your, your personal problems. His was the voice that, and the face that was there as we wrestled with what to do with the resources God has given us. We made ministry decisions. And as he retires, there's going to be some changes. There just naturally are. Anytime you have a a new pastor in a congregation, God brings someone with with different gifts and, and different abilities and different ideas. And there are bound to be some changes. And there are going to be a lot of questions as we do. Is the new pastor and are the new teachers, what are they going to be like? Is he going to be young or is he going to be old? Is he going to be personable? Is he going to be intellectual? Is he going to be a Packer fan or is he going to be wise? Uh Will he relate to kids? Will he care for those who are elderly? Will he have a sense of humor or be super serious? Will he be organized or messy? Will he be any fun? Will he care? Will he be a good preacher, a good teacher? All of those are are going to be important questions. And I won't tell you that they don't matter. But I will tell you that nothing else matters as much as this. Will he, will they preach the gospel? Will he Will they glorify God by making you uncomfortable and even afraid because of your sin? Will he, will they comfort you with the promises that the guilt of your sin has been taken away? That's what always matters most in God's church.
And so if you thank God for anything, as we say goodbye and God bless you to our called workers, thank God for that. And as you pray for new pastors and teachers, pray for that. Pray for, for new pastors and teachers who take this most seriously of all, that the Lord has given me the duty of proclaiming the gospel as God. And as you form your opinions about them, and you will, that's just natural, we always do, we ask this question first and we ask it last. Does this called servant of God give glory to God? Does he tell me of my sin and direct me to my Savior? Does he teach me to believe that my Savior loves me and will help me through anything I'm facing? Does he, do they, teach me that life in this world is not the end, but in fact life in the next world with him never does? Whoever proclaims that to you, we are going to all work together to make sure that we support them. We're going to all work together to make sure, most of all, that, that, that God is glorified so that His Word goes out truthfully, accurately, with love and care for the comfort of souls, for the glory of God, and for the salvation of everyone who hears and believes it. May God grant this to us for Jesus' sake. Amen.